Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. On today's episode, I speak to Ali Abunima. Ali Abunima is the co-founder of the Electronic Intifada and author of The Battle for Justice in Palestine, which is out and from Haymarket Books. He's also the author of One Country, a bold proposal to end the Israeli-Palestinian impasse. You can find the Electronic Intifada, which is a really great website, at electronicintifada.net. You can follow Ali on Twitter at Ali Abunima. That's A-L-I-A-B-U-N-I-M-A-H. And you can also uh, follow the Electronic Intifada on Twitter at Intifada. Please rate and review the Katie Helper Show on iTunes. We'd love it if you supported the show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. For just $1 a month, you can help make the show happen. And for $5 a month, you get extra episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Katie Halper Show, bringing on my co-host, the host of AM Jack, Jack AM. I mean, That's the right. Twitch show. Jack Allison, thank you for coming What's on. What's happening? Good to What's see you, happening? Katie. You too. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me again. It's uh, always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, and also, I want to wish you congratulations on your co-host, uh, Leslie Lee, now has a master's. People yes, may know he's if they a, watch he's, the last he's, show. He's, he's a master's of art now. He a is now a master's art. of art. I asked Leslie, I'm not that educated, and so I asked Leslie what that means, and he told me it means he's officially more educated than Chris Hayes. Oh, yeah, that was uh, how he framed so, it on the show also. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. Well, that's what he told me as well, so uh, at least he's staying consistent. He's not a flip-flopper. No, he's know? not a flip-flopper. How's this? Is this better? I'm just working the... It's so sad. I look like I'm so in the shadows. Uh, you guys are getting your mugs. Uh, when are they getting their mugs, Nick? When can we tell them? I'll tell you by the end of the show when you'll be getting them. And Jack, when was your birthday? Uh, it was on the 18th of this very week. You know, it was uh, on Thursday. That's when it was. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you text I, I, me and say, hey, Katie, wish me happy birthday? Do I do that to every... I'm not supposed to tell everybody that it's my birthday. I know. I, I, apparently, my birthday is wrong on Facebook because a lot of people were saying happy birthday to me like two days early because I think I'd probably just put it in wrong or something well, like that. <laughs> maybe because you're self-effacing and you don't want to be wished happy birthday. I mean, I, you know, it's all right. I had a fine I had a fine birthday. It was a perfectly fine birthday. Just perfectly fine? I'm, you know, I got... I got the call, KD, which is a harrowing one from my father that he's like, you know, I, I'm actually exactly half his age right now. Oh. I'm exactly half his age. And so now I am half of my father's age. Um, so won't that be some fun? Huh? <laughs> you know what you need to sing? That song by STP, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, well, I don't know that? which one. Half the man I used to be. Oh, I'm trying well. to. Yeah. I, you didn't think of that one. Before. No, I Did didn't. I didn't think now. of that. Well, I don't You're, really know Stone Temple oh, Pilots. You don't so know much, that song? So. Well, I'm half man. I used to be. No? I feel like I kind of recognize it. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. So what, let's see, what do you guys want to talk about before we bring on Ali Abunima? We got um, Nira Tandon, we got oh, boy. Corolla being uh, Can big... I say that I'm Team Mansion? I'm Team Joe Mansion now okay. in a big way? Here's I don't thing. even care. I'm Team Joe Mansion now. I know. Here's the thing. I don't know if people know about this, but basically, you know Nira Tandon, dear friend mm. of the show, very good friend of show, Nira Tandon. <laughs> and um, she is terrible for many reasons. She's been yeah. nominated to be um, Bernie Sanders' 
No, sorry. She's been nominated no. to be the director of the Office of Budget Management, OMB. Yes, Office OMB. Of, of bu- management management and, budget. and Budget, I guess. Yeah. She's yeah. in charge of the budget. They want to put her in charge of the budget. Yeah, which kind of makes sense. You know why? Because she did suggest, as we know from seeing the, uh, from WikiLeaks, she did suggest that uh, we bomb countries and then yes. steal their oil. Yeah. So it kind of is a, was a good idea to put her on the budget because that shows really out of the. That's fiscal thinking. responsibility. That's is what fiscal that responsibility. Is. That's yeah. what that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. That's and being that's being that's being you know uh, uh, fiscally conservative in a big I, way. I mean, yeah, it's good. It's austerity, yeah. and you know, lots of people talk about. I I wish I'd done a mashup of this, but her lived experience. Yeah. Um, and and we'll <laughs> talk about that. But lived experience is basically it's like identity politics. But the problem with her lived experience is it's like if I came from economic hardship and then grew up and said, I understand economic hardship, but was actually cutting the programs that helped me as a child. That's what her lived experience is. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's like, also, it's like, what do I give a fuck about someone's lived experience if they're doing bad things? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't care if somebody experienced it and then went on to like make life worse for other people. It's like, that just means that you're that like, you're even worse. Well, frankly. no, it's much. Oh, no, it's much worse, especially yeah. when you're pretending. This is like one step away. I don't know if I said it on this show or or useful idiots, but this is like one step away from like a Ben Carson who made it and doesn't, and then thinks everyone who hasn't made it is boring right. or is like not lazy. boring. What the hell? Why did I say that? Because boring. you were talking about Ben Carson, who is the most Ooh, boring man. Just, the sound went out. Huh? Uh oh. Is that me? Uh, oh, sorry, no, did my did my thing yeah, disappear yeah. for a sec? Sorry yeah, about that. That was so boring. I got uh, so I was just saying. I was saying you're... you said boring because you're talking about Ben Carson, and there yeah, is no other so word boring. that can come to mind. I yeah. mean, he every now and then is exciting because he becomes he t- talks like a serial killer when he talks about operating on children's brains. We'll have right. to find that later. But um, <laughs> it's a it's a fun thing, and it, and it happens. But um, how, am I in sync? By the way, am I lagging or is it good? Seems fine. I'm All a little right. worried my camera cable is coming undone, so I'm gonna touch that All real right. quick. Yeah. Touch the cam cable. Ta- uh, cable. There okay. we go. All right, cool. So um, I'm just shutting out some programs, actually. So here's so, the thing. So so Nira, now, why do we dislike Nira? Because she's um, uh, into austerity? Because um, from WikiLeaks, she, we know that she uh, said, don't sweat it, about the $15 minimum wage, which for her is actually pretty, like, low-key. Uh, yeah. You know, I thought she would, like, just vilify uh, minimum wage earners. Um, and also she did shove her uh, subordinate in the chest. Um, Faz Shakir, Faz yeah. Shakir, yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, she shoved him in the chest. But to be fair, he was asking I mean, for it. You know Let's why? also be, well, because he was asking a tough question to a he donor. Is Hillary, that correct? He asked Hillary Clinton about her, her Iraq war position. Right. So, I mean, that is fair enough. I, you, know, you do get to, you deserve getting pushed around a yes, little for physical, that. Yeah, corporal punishment is the appropriate mm-hmm. response to a young, a young staffer. That's what you do. Yeah. She did, and she she didn't deny it happened. She just said it was a shove, not a push. Can well, you imagine? Let's be, let's be fair here, Katie. A lot of that stuff is from like ten years ago. So let's talk about what Nira has been doing recently, sure, which do is, it. you know, there was a, a a sexual impropriety scandal at Cap, and then she named the person uh, um, who who was the victim, the victim in yeah. an all hands yeah. meeting, named the victim uh, by name, uh, and then also um, did a um, uh, broke a union. She there was Think Progress was trying to start a union, and they fired the all of them. Yeah. Was the blog side of uh, Center for American Progress and they fired all of them uh, to break the union. So she's a union busting, sort of victim shaming, um, welfare cutting uh, ghoul. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah. And now, look, is this is what I'm about to say important? No, but I do. The irony is that her one of the things I like about her is that she fights with Republicans right online. Now, I don't like that she fights with leftists online, but the irony is that like Manchin also people are saying it's misogyny to oppose her. I'm sure there's some racist misogynists out there. That doesn't motivate me in hating Neera Tandon. Um, and Joe Manchin, I don't know what it is. Is it is it that she insulted? Because she's very she's kind I, of I tr- think I think Trumpian what I've heard online. she's Trumpian what, on Twitter. Yeah, and so Joe Manchin, we should catch everybody up, is uh, saying that he plans to vote against Neera Tandon's confirmation to be the head uh, uh, of the Office of Management and Budget. Um, that you know theoretically could block her nomination if all the Republicans vote against her. Now listen. There's a part of me that thinks that like height that like, you know, uh, uh, what the hell is her name that, you know, one of the uh, uh, I can't remember her name right now, but one of the Republican senators will vote for oh, her. Heidi, like, vote. Hem, 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 Heidi Heitkamp was the person I thought originally, uh, but Susan that's Collins. not the, Susan Collins. Collins. Yeah. Collins is who I'm thinking might vote yeah. for her. And so this might all just be a big political theater for no reason. But, and but I'm ultimately still going to become the, a mansion donor because of it. the yeah, sad, sorry. the sad, uh, uh, the sad stab in the heart of it all might be that like. Like Bernie votes to confirm Nira after all the horrendous things uh, uh, that she said about him, um, and that she gets through th- for that. Um, but look, you know, also people are saying that maybe Manchin is trying to say he wants to, you know, not vote for uh, Nira so that he can like have the you know keep his centrist credentials when he votes for the fucking covid package or whatever like but he is saying which of course that would be the best case scenario of all if like joe manchin you know tanks near his confirmation and then votes in favor of the uh uh, covid package uh, um you know that would be great uh but listen you know the reason why he's saying he's not voting for her is mean tweets and of course that's some silliness but I don't give a shit. I don't like Nira and I want her to not get confirmed. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so I don't really I don't care. care. I don't um care. and you know what else I have to say about, you know, Manchin is it's like, you know, whether where however you feel about Manchin and how he's going to vote on Nira Tandon, we do know that he's always going to be a solid vote against ACA repeal, right? I mean, don't we just know that he's always going to be a solid vote against ACA repeal? Yeah. I mean, I should say here that this is a point that Nira made when she was saying that everybody should go vote for Joe Manchin. Wow, uh, I didn't even know this. that an important point here. Manchin is a solid vote against ACA repeal. And so I would say, you know, about him not voting for to confirm Nira, that at least he's a solid vote uh, against ACA repeal. You're you know? right. That's yeah. totally true. So wait, Nira kind of endorsed him. Oh, well, I mean, to be honest with you, let's have a look here. Um... Let's also focus on great candidates running for Senate and help them. Beto O'Rourke, Rosen for Nevada, right down at the bottom, Senator Joe Manchin. And look above that, Heidi. Heidi Heitkamp. Yeah, Yeah. Heidi Heitkamp's on there, too. Oh, Claire McCaskill's great. I mean, this was was when, you know, we should remember part of the delicious and hilarious irony of this is that Neera Tandon is one of the people that was pushing Joe Manchin as acceptable when all the people like further left than uh, than her were saying that like we're saying fuck Joe Manchin like he's, you know, uh, uh, he's really a Republican and blah, blah, blah. We shouldn't be like doing all this support for him. She was out there saying we need to vote. Vote for Joe Manchin. Vote blue no matter who. Um, and so in the end, I guess I would say go Manchin. Go I have Manchin. to agree with Nira here. That's a solid vote against ACA repeal. And yeah. uh, glad to have him in office. Glad to have him in office. Yeah, <laughs> glad to have him as a friend. A friend uh-huh. of the yeah. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take fair weather friends. I don't give a shit. I just want Nira Tandon to have a bad week. 
Yeah. Well, I want her to have more than a bad week. But uh, here's the thing. Ready? Now, this is not that important. Her her mean tweets and certainly her mean tweets to Republicans. I couldn't care less about. But here's the thing. I'm about to show you some of Nira's friends tweets. Now, why is this relevant? Of course, you're not. It's guilt by association. No way. No, no, no. I don't I don't hold people responsible for that. But here's why I am. Because Nira has spent a lot of her time and energy and power um, point calling every single person who likes Bernie, claims to like Bernie, maybe has tweeted something pro-Bernie ever. Whenever they say something that's like, uh, you know, toxic online, that is further evidence of the Bernie bro, right? The abusive, toxic, uh, heinous, violent, noxious, mm-hmm. uh, obnoxious at its kind of least, um, you know, at, at, in its mildest form. Uh, Bernie bro. And she all always asks people to repudiate it. She asked Bernie to repudiate it. She asked Mike Casca to repudiate um, something that ironically enough was tweeted by this is back in 2016. This was tweeted by a parody account, a Republican parody <laughs> account. And um, Emily Nussbaum tweeted it out and it was someone calling her a psycho. And that was one of the three examples upon which the Bernie bro narrative was based. I'm not kidding. Wow. I wrote a piece about this at the Paste and it goes through the, the early evidence of the Bernie bro and the pieces that they cited was the fake account. A woman who called her senator a piece of shit. Um, for like stumping with Hillary and a man who said, don't vote with your vagina, which of all of those is the worst. But yeah. I, I guarantee you people have said more offensive things uh, about me, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, Hillary people. But um, why am I bringing this up? Because she, again, she weaponizes identity politics. She weaponizes them with her own biography, as we were saying, right? She lived on Section 8 housing. And I would love for someone who had lived on Section 8 housing to be um in office or be in the cab cabinet position as long as they were then doing all they could do for people who live in section eight housing not cutting programs like that and using their identity as a shield which is why it is more dangerous right like everyone Mm -hmm. knows a republican a straight white dude cutting like cutting entitlements it's obviously bad if -hmm. it's a woman of color who cites that she grew up on section eight housing cutting it you really think you're like oh i guess it's not she doesn't want to. well she and then to. also it's this you know people will argue back from that you know like well who are you to who are you to criticize right, exactly. you know what i mean it's yep. like it yeah. is this weird shield to like do bad policy which yeah. is i don't know kind of uh, almost a little bit you know what what thomas frank talks about in listen liberal with sort of the democratic party at large it's like a new way of weaponizing identity to go even further with that right yeah it's really so so there's that and now if you'll just indulge me, because she has made such a narrative of the Bernie bro thing and, and constantly asked Bernie. Remember, she tried to get David Sirota in trouble for literally reporting, reporting on Beto, on where mm-hmm. he got money from. OK, that's it. Remember? And she asked um, Bernie to repudiate it. So I went on this little thread and I'm just going to share it. I hope this is OK, because, again, this is Nira Tandon who asked Bernie to repudiate everything. Mm-hmm. And uh so I went on this thread saying Nero Tan is a mean girl bully who signal boost hangs out with and is friends with people who call young girls with Down syndrome sluts, Oof. call Bernie Sanders a fake fucking Jew and call Muslim American women terrorists. OK, and then I do a little bit of a, you know, uh, then I go through how she punched someone in the chest. I go through how she weaponizes identity politics. OK, uh, how she wants to steal money, uh, oil from Libya. And then I go, okay, her policies are awful, but she's also an absolute mean girl bully who weaponized identity politics. She signal boosts and uplifts, sorry, I repeated that, uplifts some of the most toxic, bigoted voices while constantly demanding Sanders repudiate any and all online randos who claim to support him, even if Sanders has nothing to do with them. But who does Nira hang out with in real life and call friends and signal boosts? 
Abusive trolls like Jeremy, with whom she's pictured and wow. calls a treasure and part of her quote unquote army. Okay. And look, I blocked out the other people. So you're welcome. So that's Jer, Jeremy. Wow. Okay. Look what he, t- he tweeted. Well, here she is calling him a friend and part of her army, which you're she used the hashtag treasure. Here's some of his tweets. Fuck him to hell. Bernie would have won. Bernie would have choked on my dick. Cool. Um, I just want to say something that's been bubbling up inside me and holding me back. It's so sad. I don't want him, this guy held back. I hate. I fucking hate Bernie Sanders with every fiber of my being, and I will not be happy until he has suffered greatly for what he had, mm. he unleashed. Um, bordering on illegal to say about a senator, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, it gets better. Hold on. Ready? Yeah. This is even better. More Jeremy. I will vote for the primary candidate that leaps across the debate stage, bites off Bernie's wagging finger, lifts it up like a trophy, and then throws it to the audience like a wedding bouquet. Hmm. Cool. I like how poetic it is at the end. <laughs> Bonus points if they pull out that awful tuft of hair, too. Um, and then, this is great. He wrote this about Linda Sarsour. Oh, look, it's Linda Sarsour pretending she wouldn't be down to plan something like what happened today. And the thing that happened today, the day that he tweeted this, was the um, synagogue, uh, Tree of Life synagogue shooting where Jews were shot and killed. Do you remember that? So Linda Sarsour tweets out in solidarity and condolences, whomever did this is a monster. Our places of worship should be sanctuaries. We should all be free and safe to practice our faith in this country without fear of being targeted. And he decides to call her basically a terrorist sympathizer. Jesus. Um, I'll I'll go through the rest of this quickly, but here's a guy. You remember Mr. Weeks? Bernie Sanders is a fake fucking Jew. Um, Then uh, Neera Tandem wished him happy birthday, called him my friend. Do you know he has a picture taken with Hillary Clinton and she wrote him a note? Look at this, okay? This is him and her, right? Oh, my God. Look at what she that wrote Mr. him. Mr. Weeks, wow. On another note, I want to thank you for your very lo- vocal and enthusiastic support of me and my career in public service on social media. I appreciate your commitment wow. to our shared values and vision. Together, let's keep fighting for the better, stronger, and fairer future we want for our country. Onward, with warm regards, I am sincerely yours, Hillary Clinton. Which, let's just imagine... I don't know if she'd ever seen any of his stuff. She must have seen some of his stuff. Maybe she didn't see the fake fucking Jew. But just for a second, imagine if Bernie Sanders had posed for a photo and then written a note to someone who said comparable things about Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here. Here's some more stuff. <laughs> Bernie Sanders can talk my dick, but he's not looking to my best. Um, I mean, I do think it's funny to read to imagine Hillary reading that for God's sake. Maybe she gave him feedback. Yes, and didn't he like rent a truck and go oh, around yeah. New York did, with, a yeah, with a fuck Bernie thing, truck yeah. or and something like that? And here he is in, the, in this T-shirt. I don't have cool. the. I don't have that. But this is a really weird one. Um, he 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 compares Medicare for all to some kind of weird sexual behavior. He goes, and if I can add, normally Medicare for all guy is the type who says, "Can you suck it to get hard?" No. What lube do you use? Not spit. What's my name? Not daddy. Damn your tight wrong hole fool. I mean, this is the Medicare for all guy. I'll talk and don't know how to work it. If Hillary that... had seen this, she would have told him it was you. He'd misspell your because he wrote, I yeah. quite liked your tweet where you said Medicare for all is like the guy who says, can you suck it to get it hard? I would just offer that you misspelled your. <laughs> Wrong your, Mr. Weeks. But besides that, absolutely terrific. <laughs> Thank you for supporting my candidacy on social media. Can you believe that? And then this guy, I, I won't go through everything, but I'm th- this guy, uh, Rog collective brother um when you tweeted i'm thankful for the resistance he tweeted i'm thankful for feisty determined women who run think tanks that help democrats pass progressive legislation yes and she says i'm, I'm definitely thankful for your cold fury and all you've done for the resistance and uh, 
That's weird. It's like a little romantic, maybe. Then he tells her his mother was five foot two. I'm pretty sure that's where my adoration for feisty little women comes from. Oh, okay. Then she sends a smiley face with, you know, pink cheeks. And then, on the other hand, he sends stuff like this to people. Suck my dick, you square-headed fuck. My point was valid and you're just some sniveling bitch. Scram. Um, Also, uh, mission accomplished. Now go fuck yourself with Krusty the Clown Senator from Vermont's dick. Mm. Uh, Suck my dick and choke on my nuts, Bernie bro. (laughs) It's so funny. Suck my dick and choke on my nuts, Bernie bro. You toxic, sexist Bernie bro. Um. (laughs) And then uh, then he said this to me. I mean, I mm. should recuse myself, but oh, go fuck yourself with Jen Uger's dick, Katie, and take your man baby troll swarm with you. You and Bernie ain't never been shit. And then wow. again, yes, Katie Halber, go fuck yourself with Jenk Uger's dick. I never stuttered then or now. Leave Bernie's crack alone, geez. Anyway, there's a lot more where this came from. But and again, it doesn't matter. It, it, it just matters because you should always look because if you scratch someone who really uses the Bernie bro myths, mm-hmm. you may get and a person who does not care about online toxic behavior and who hangs out with those people and calls Listen, them treasures. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Katie, that I, I do think it matters, and here's why. Um, because I like to weaponize things in bad faith against people who I don't like and don't want to sure. see succeed. You okay, know, so uh, uh, a lot of a lot of times that happens, you know, with, with Bernie people. Uh, uh, I think hypocrisy doesn't exist in America anymore. It's not something that people give a shit about. Right. And so, for me, I think it matters because I want Nira to not get a job yeah. and to never get to use the wall uh, paper that that she planned out to use in the White House back right. in 2015. Right. So that my my point is is that uh, um, I want it to matter because I, I strongly dislike her as a human being, and I never want her to have anything that would make her happy. Okay, that's fine. But people are like, Twitter isn't real real life. I'm like, I know that. I'm just so Jack has his reasons, and my reasons are because I actually think it's very dangerous to use the Bernie bro narrative to to try to smear the most progressive, anti racist, anti sexist feminist person who was in the race in 2016 yeah. or 2020 and this is just a window into how full of shit she is so anyway, oh for sure for sure for sure let's bring on our next guest he's been described as the leading american proponent of a one-state solution to the israeli-palestinian conflict he's a resident of chicago he contributes regularly to such publications as the chicago tribune la times he's also served as the vice president on the board of directors of the Amer- of the arab american action network He's a fellow at the Palestine Center. He's a co-founder of the Electronic Intifada, Ali Abu Nima. Ali, hello. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for joining. It's nice to be here. Just wanted to, I've been wanting to have you back on and also wanted to have you back on to talk about the work that you do and also just a response to this, uh, what's happening with Israel and the COVID vaccine for which they've been praised because they're vaccinating so many people. Um, and when Jack gets back, I'm just going to play a clip from a recent. Here. Oh, great! Should we should we play this clip that got has is now being denounced and has a, yeah. a clip that has launched a thousand petitions? Um, okay, and this is and this is going to be a big deal because not. To, our, well, co- it's a bit. I mean, it's a big deal just to prepare people. It's a big deal because there was actually a funny and biting joke on Saturday Night Live. Right. And that in itself, and that itself is news <laughs> wow. really, right? It's yeah. a major story. So yeah. right, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're gonna get some. Uh, and Jack, by the way, is a very interesting guest because he has someone who has had a personal uh, war feud with Michael Che. But this it's is true. he's so committed to to fairness that he's gonna, as you'll see, defend. We'll talk him. about this. Yeah. Okay. 
Israel is reporting that they vaccinated half of their population. And I'm going to guess it's the Jewish half. <laughs> now, okay. I should have offered a trigger warning because that is anti-Semitic, racist, <laughs> bile that perpetuates uh, libel somehow, the blood libel thing. That doesn't, that doesn't even work. Like, you guys, do better. We can do better. There's yeah. so much. An- there's so many anti-Semitic stereotypes. You've got to be able to find one that works better with that yeah. one. But that is now being condemned. Um, and, of course... Perhaps if this, if Israel were actually vaccinating everyone, uh, including the, and if they were not blocking um, uh, uh, COVID vaccinations from getting into Gaza, perhaps it would be an unfair thing to say. But Ali, can you tell us about the reality there? Yeah, I mean, that, first of all, like I said, you know, I mean, I just want to get this off my chest before we get into the serious stuff is that. One of the things I cannot understand about the United States is like why every Monday or Sunday or whatever it is, there are news reports about what was on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I mean, like, there's like, a whole cottage industry of literally yeah. just describing television shows, and that is yeah, news. That's news. Particularly Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. as if Saturday Night Live is one of the branches of government. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but this, this is actually somewhat newsworthy because Michael Che's joke there was biting, and the reason that Israel defenders and Israel lobby are going nuts over it and denouncing it as anti-Semitic is because it points to a truth that is pretty unpalatable, which is that you have uh, COVID apartheid in Mm -hmm. Israel and vaccine apartheid now. And so what what is the reality? Uh, Israel has been praised by uh, people all over the world. Dr. Fauci, Saint Saint uh, Anthony Fauci, has been praising Israel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for for vaccinating so many people so quickly. But what's not talked about is that millions of Palestinians, five million Palestinians who live under Israeli military rule in the West Bank and Gaza Strip are not being given vaccines, Mm -hmm. even though they live under the full authority of the Israeli government. Uh, The the reason we say apartheid is because what what is apartheid? It's a system of government where you have uh, two groups of people living under one ruler who are treated in completely different ways Mm -hmm. because of their uh, characteristics. In this case, Uh, It's whether you're Jewish or not. And so you have in the West Bank uh, and Gaza millions of Palestinians who are not being vaccinated. Uh, And Israel is um, actually making it harder for Palestinians to deal with uh, COVID. Uh, In Gaza, you have two million Palestinians who uh, actually the Palestinian Authority was able to get uh, some doses of the Sputnik, the Russian vaccine, and um, Israel blocked them from getting into Gaza. But what you also have in the West Bank, and this really, I think, brings home the kind of Jim Crow apartheid nature of it, is that if you are an Israeli settler living in the West Bank on land stolen from Palestinians, Mm -hmm. you will get a vaccine. 
Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're a Palestinian living next door to that settlement, you will mm-hmm. not get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. I thought so there, that, there was that, a post uh, by, yeah. by Avi Mayer who was responding to this. This is one of the people that is very yeah. upset by this post, uh, uh, by this joke. Uh, um, he said, every Israeli citizen, Jewish and Arab, Muslim, Christian, or if any of no faith is eligible to be vaccinated. Two thirds of uh, Israel's Arab citizens over 60 have been, uh, uh, have been. Um, which I think there's a really important key word there, which is every Israeli citizen. citizen. And who is yeah. allowed to be a citizen of Israel, uh, uh, even if if they are under sort of like the rule uh, um, and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. government pressure of, of Israel. So he's he's telling a partial truth, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's he's lying by omission. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. Avi Meyer is one of That's the goodness. most skilled I can uh, up here. pro-Israel propagandists, and he's lying by omission. Uh, it is true that all Israeli citizens are uh eligible for vaccination. And who are Israeli citizens? Well, you've got about uh, five and a half, six million Jewish citizens. They they will all be vaccinated, including the settlers in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. Then you have about one and a half million Palestinians who are citizens of Israel. They are eligible for vaccinations. That's true. That's what he's saying. But what he's not mentioning is that five million Palestinians mm. who live under Israeli military rule in the West Bank and under Israeli siege and control in the Gaza Strip are not being vaccinated and cannot be vaccinated because they have no independent uh, ability to get vaccines. And we're not talking about here Israel vaccinating Palestinians in the West Bank out of the goodness of its heart. We're talking about obligations Israel has as the occupying power under international law, specifically the Fourth Geneva Convention. The Fourth Geneva Convention comes out of the horrors of the world wars. So it's supposed to be the distillation of the lessons that we have learned from the atrocities of the 20th century and and before. And the uh, Fourth Geneva Convention is very clear and explicit that the occupying power is responsible Mm. for the health, welfare, sanitation, and hygiene of the civilian population under its occupation. And the the Geneva Convention is explicit about the occupying power's responsibility with respect to epidemics and, and, uh, uh, and disease. So Israel, by refusing to vaccinate the five million stateless Palestinians who live under its military occupation is committing a war crime. So if Mm -hmm. Avi Meyer had any decency, which I can tell you from long experience with him, he doesn't. But if he did have any decency, he would be demanding that Israel immediately begin vaccinating the five million Palestinians living under Israeli COVID apartheid. Mm Right. But I mean, there's so many PR points, Hasbara, right, Uh, uh, points about how, you know, this is just, you know, it's not up to Israel. They're not doing anything. It's up to the Palestinians. It's up to Hamas. Uh, Could you just debunk some of the the common talking points that are are lobbed against uh, against the Palestinian people, basically? 
Yeah, you know, uh, one of the defenses that I've heard Israel propagandists make is they say, oh, well, there's the Oslo Accords. This was a, a, an accord between Israel and the Palestine Liberation Organization in 1993, and it set up the Palestinian Authority, which is this sort of um, kind of Bantustan uh, government. The Bantustans were the... Uh, uh, nominally independent uh, homelands that the racist government of South Africa set up in the 1970s and 80s to say to the world, look, we're not oppressing black people, they have their own governments. These Bantustans were not actually independent and had no control. This was a fig leaf for white supremacy. And the Palestinian Authority functions in a similar way. So Israel violates the Oslo Accords uh, you know, 24-7, 365 days a year. It, 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 uh, it respects none of the, uh, uh, the uh, it, it respects none of the things it agreed to in the Oslo Accords. But when Israel is challenged about its obligations, all of a sudden it says, well, wait, wait a minute, we have the Oslo Accords, we must respect them where the Palestinian Authority is now responsible for the people there. So it's, it's a way for Israel to throw off its responsibility. But the key points are that the Oslo Accords, number one, Palestinians don't have a truly independent government. The Palestinian Authority is not free to act. Palestinians in the West Bank um, control very little of the land in the West Bank. They c control little slivers of land. Israel controls the vast majority of the West Bank. Uh, Palestinians are not free to import and export things from the West Bank. They're not free to travel in or out. And in Gaza, the situation is even worse, where it is under uh, an Israeli siege, which is bolstered, of course, by the Egyptian dictatorship of Abdel Fattah Sisi, which is closely allied with Israel and the Biden administration. Uh, and uh, see how I, I don't skip a beat. There's no honeymoon, honeymoon yeah. uh, uh, of course. with me. So the Biden-backed Sisi tyranny in Egypt and the Biden-backed, the Biden-slash-Kamala Harris-backed Israeli apartheid regime uh, together besiege the Gaza Strip so no one can get in and out. I know people in Gaza who... Uh, who uh, have to travel abroad for medical care, it's very difficult. Sometimes you have to wait weeks or months to get permission to travel outside Gaza from Israel to go to the West Bank or to go to, to uh, hospitals in Israel because the, the medical system in Gaza is under collapse because of the Israeli siege. So uh, Israel has destroyed the Palestinian health care system effectively and is now not giving vaccines to Palestinians living under its military rule. So that's the reality. And if anything, the, the SNL joke didn't capture the full horror mm -hmm. of the situation. So, of course, Israel and its lobby are screaming anti-Semitism at the top of their lungs because that is a very effective way or has been a very effective way for them to distract attention from the rea brutal reality and to try to turn Israel into the victim instead of the perpetrator, which is what it in fact is. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's also interesting. It's like, so 
let's the idea that you can't report on something because it perpetuates a stereotype like Epstein is not a good guy and he's Jewish and there is a stereotype about Jewish men being perverts, but it's still a story like Mm -hmm. you can always find a way to uh, delegitimize something. But if you if your claim is that something perpetuates a stereotype, do you know what I mean? Like this one doesn't even work. Because I don't know what the stereotype is, like that Israel does bad things like that's So that <laughs> happens like Bernie Madoff. We're not supposed to talk about him because of the stereotype of like the greedy, dishonest Jew. Well, uh, I, I mean, you know, the the yeah, the let's remember that it's Israel that describes itself as a Jewish state. Right. Uh, you know, in the same way that other countries may, dis- you know, describe themselves a certain way. Israel describes itself as a Jewish state. But we have to be very clear and careful that, you know, m- myself as a Palestinian and uh, I, and Palestinians traditionally, we refuse the equation between Israel on the one hand uh, and Jews and Judaism on the other right. hand. Israel doesn't act in the name of Jews everywhere. Benjamin Netanyahu is not the prime minister of the Jewish people as he claims to be, or as some of his associates have claimed he is. Uh, and so Israel, uh, so, and conversely, of course, Jews are not collectively responsible for Israel's crimes. Israel is recognized as a state in the international system and therefore has to be held to the obligations of a state. It is a signatory of the Fourth Geneva Convention, uh, and uh, it has to be held accountable for its crimes. And uh, the the fact that Israel's uh, population, uh, or that that 50%, roughly now just under 50% of the people who live under Israeli rule are Jews, uh, doesn't um, give Israel a pass. Uh, yeah, the fact right. that Israel claims to be a, a Jewish state, uh, Palestinians don't care that uh, Israel, uh, def- uh, you know, the, let me put it this way. When Algerians were fighting against French colonialism, it wasn't anti-French. It was anti-colonial. When Indian people were fighting against uh, British uh, imperialism and British co- uh, colonialism, it wasn't because they were British. They weren't anti-English. Right. Indians weren't offended that, oh, we're being colonized, but th- that these people are English. They're right. aff- they're, they were uh, aggrieved by the fact that they're being colonized and ruled by a foreign power. So uh, the, the effort to, you know, how are you going to turn Israel into a victim? It's a nuclear power. It has one of the world's strongest armies. They routinely shoot dead unarmed Palestinians for protesting for their rights. They demolish Palestinian homes just to steal the land from under them. Uh, If you're a Palestinian in the West Bank, you can't even dig a well on your own land. You can't put up cisterns to collect rainwater because Israel claims that it owns the rain that falls Mm -hmm. onto Palestinian land. So... When you look at the, you know, Israel in 2014, uh, in its attack on Gaza, uh, killed 
One in every 1,000 Gaza residents during 51 days. It killed 551 children in 51 days. It's 11 children a day mm. during the attack on Gaza. It obliterated entire neighborhoods. It dropped the, the equivalent almost of the Hiroshima bomb on Gaza in terms of high explosives. Uh, it tortures Palestinians. Uh, it keeps Palestinian children in prison. Uh, you have Israel is the only country in the world that routinely subjects children to military trials and only Palestinian children, only Palestinian children. Uh, so when you have an apartheid state, a military occupier, an ethnic cleanser, uh, an ap apartheid state as defined, of course, not just by Palestinians who have been uh, accurately, uh, you know, hashtag believe Palestinians, <laughs> right? Palestinians have been telling people for decades the reality of We Israel, should listen to their lived experience yes, for once. Yeah, but yeah, we're, right. not we're not supposed to. But now, you know, just in the past few weeks, uh, the Israeli, Israel's most prestigious or best known human rights group, B'Tselem, recently came out with a big uh, announcement that Yes, okay, we finally agree with the Palestinians. This is apartheid. Israel is set up in every way to maintain Jewish supremacy at the expense of the Palestinian people who live here. So what I'm saying is when you have this uh, panorama of oppression, of occupation, of destruction, of land theft, of racism, by a regime that is allied with every right-wing government on earth. I didn't hear all of the previous uh, uh, panel, or should I say manal, as someone said It's not me. my fault. Well, come on. Look, I'm a, I, there's a lot of me. I, little no, me no, goes there, a long there way. Is yeah. a lot. You, yeah, <laughs> and yes. I, had, I had lots of women. I have lots of women on, no, but yeah, I, tonight I'm, was I'm, a sausage I'm, fest I'm, a bit. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, yeah, but, you know, so, somebody texted it to me, so I, oh, just, I just had to say. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, yeah, you you actually like you're the equivalent of at least five of those dudes anyway. Just Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so um, yeah. But as the previous panel was saying, uh, you know, they're talking about fascism in Poland, in Hungary, in the United States. All of these are the, Israel's best friends right, in the world. Exactly. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and that's not just that's not an anomaly. There's a reason for that. So how do you? Uh, turn this brutal apartheid regime into a victim is you have to scream at everyone who criticizes it, everyone who calls it out, that they're an anti-Semite. Because anti-Semitism anti is, uh, you know, is racism, is uh, bigotry, right. is something we all have to fight. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's but, something that happens, for instance, um, in the... Uh, governments of Poland and Hungary, for right. instance, right. allies of Netanyahu. Among Israel's, among Israel's best friends, like right. the Trump, you know, the white supremacist, anti-Semitic Trump administration, you know, Israel's best friend in the whole world. And it's a way to change the subject. So now, right. you know, look, we're doing it too. Now we're talking about, is this anti-Semitism, isn't it anti-Semitism? Mm -hmm. Instead of talking about what Israel is doing right. to Palestinians. So all the discussion mm -hmm. 
you know, I was looking before the show at the coverage, like SNL under fire for anti-Semitic joke. Right. So it's a great tactic to uh, change the subject, to intimidate people, because not everyone um, is as used to being smeared and lied about by uh, Israel and its thuggish lobby as I am, because, you know, every day I'm, you know, I'm called a a Nazi for saying... For, for Palestinians are human beings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for reporting the reality of what Israel yeah. is doing. But a lot of people, they're like, uh, you know, maybe I'll stay away from that. Yeah, of course. I don't need. So the the Avi Myers of the world, Avi Meyer works for. I'm not sure which Israel Let's lobby. Let's see. Group. Let's open I think him he's up. He's still open with the American Jewish Committee, which is one of the foremost Israel lobby groups in the country. Before that, he was with uh, Israel's. Um, Jewish agency doing official propaganda, Hasbara. So, you know, those folks uh, will never have a discussion. Avi Maya will never talk about um, the reality of five million Palestinians mm-hmm. denied vaccines under Israeli military occupation. So we have to talk about it. And then we have to spend uh, extra time and effort fending off the lies and the smears and the defamation by Israel and its lobby that, you know, we're anti-Semitic for saying, you know, five million Palestinians should be entitled to vaccinations, Mm -hmm. especially when the settlers who have stolen their land by force and are living on it in violation of international law are getting vaccines. I mean, frankly, also... It's not going to COVID's not going to go away either. It's like I know like whenever you see these statistics, I'm all, I always like have to scoff a little bit because you see the statistics of like the percentage of the population that is, you know, vaccinated in every country. And they always show Israel and they're like 70 percent is vaccinated. And I'm like, well, but not really. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to get you to that. Th- that doesn't count as the 80 percent vaccination rate you need to get to to like actually beat back covid because there's five million people sort of among them and certainly among the settlements uh, that will not be receiving vaccinations and, and five million people who serve i mean we have to understand this as a cheap and disposable labor pool mm-hmm. for israel because every day tens of thousands of palestinians are allowed into Israel under a very onerous Mm. system of Mm -hmm. permits and checkpoints. If you look at some of the videos and photos that we've published at the Electronic Intifada of the checkpoints, you see it's just horrible. It's like people standing. You you have to go at 3 in the morning to stand at the checkpoint in these long cage tunnels Mm -hmm. to be allowed through to work as a day laborer with Mm. with no rights, with... uh, uh, you know, very little protections, and uh, you know, for for meager wages, which uh, which uh, Israelis won't work for, which is why they use Palestinians as a cheap labor pool, and these people are not being allowed to get, you know, not not mm-hmm. getting vaccines. So that's that's the reality. Mm-hmm. It's not this beautiful multicultural reality of everyone is getting vaccines that you know, professional propagandist Avi Mayo wants people to believe. Yeah, also, it's funny. It's like, you know, it doesn't even, it it reminds me of this, and here's Ali's uh, great website, which I can't recommend enough. Um, And it's funny because it's not even rational. Like, if they they didn't have that, if they didn't, like, let, quote-unquote, let, right, Palestinians in to 
exploit them. You could almost understand, it would almost be rational to uh, let uh, basically people be ravaged by COVID. But it doesn't even make sense because that's a communicable disease. Like if their apartheid were more airtight, sure, it would make sense. But it reminds me of these Republicans who are like, they don't want um, undocumented uh, workers who are in like slaughter factories. Right. Uh, They don't want them to have access to the vaccines it's like do you understand like what this means where's for the you? meat going yeah like yeah. what's happening to the meat yeah and then there's the, then there's an, another aspect to this that uh, has not been discussed which is where is israel getting all the vaccines from because uh you know okay so the population is a lot smaller than the united states but still a lot of countries uh have very few vaccines how come Israel, it's not manufacturing them itself, how come Israel has seemingly uh, a sufficient supply mm. to vaccinate so many people so quickly? And we don't know the full answer to that, but we know part of it, because uh, a couple of months ago there were reports in the Israeli media, and I wrote about this too, that Germany uh, had um, uh, strong-armed or persuaded, whatever you want to say, the European Union to uh, give Israel access to the supply of vaccines that the European Union was securing mm-hmm. on the same basis as, uh, as if Israel were a European Union member. And the German politicians that were quoted in, in the Israeli media, or the justification that was given, was that, oh, this is... Uh, part of Germany's responsibility to the Jewish people to make sure Israel gets the vaccines first. Well, at the time these reports came out, and this was before the vaccination programs had even started, um, people were saying, wait a minute, so Germany and the EU, you're going to make sure Israel gets access to vaccines. Does that mean that you're going to support Israel to vaccinate settlers in the West Bank, but not mm-hmm. Palestinians. So that concern was being raised before this vaccination program even started. I rem- I wrote to the German foreign ministry, I wrote to the German embassy in Tel Aviv and asked them explicitly. So here are the reports that say you're helping Israel to get the vaccine. Are you going to guarantee that Palestinians have access to this to the vaccine on the same basis as Israelis? Or are you going to make sure that the vaccines that you supply or you provide Israel access to are not used to set up an apartheid vaccination regime where settlers get vaccines and Palestinians don't? And they would not answer those questions. And I've not seen them held to account publicly by uh, anyone. And in fact, what happened was uh, wherever Israel got the vaccines from, Uh, including whether it's from the European Union or through Germany, Israel is in fact using them for uh, using them uh, in in an apartheid vaccination program. And the irony is that supposedly Germany was doing this to meet its kind of its historic responsibility and the learning the lessons of the past. How are you learning the lessons of the past if you're helping a military occupier to discriminate against a civilian population that's occupied. How is that atoning for Germany's crimes? It's compounding 
Germany's crimes. Mm -hmm. It's a moral outrage being disguised as as goodness. Yeah. But, you know, to even discuss that means that you're going to be smeared and defamed as an anti-Semite. So Mm -hmm. that's why there's so little discussion of this in, uh, you know, uh, on any other media. And I'm certainly not going to be invited onto CNN or uh, MSNBC to talk about it. I mean, that's what's so um, frustrating. It's like it really is like I I often say that Israel is kind of like the original um, like weaponized identity politics um, entity because it really is like uh, they were I mean, they really take the Holocaust and I had family and, you know, who were killed in that. uh, And but they take that and use that to justify whatever they're doing and in a way that like we see it's like a weaponization of trauma instead of the lesson of that trauma and injustice being uh to prevent more trauma and tragedy and violence uh it's used to to justify it and whitewash it which is totally sorted mm-hmm. um but it's it's a, you see a similar thing right like when when you see identity politics weaponized uh, in order to shield it from critics, shield criticism, valid criticism. And there's something there that happened, like racism is real. Right. And then people but when people do something uh, and use that as a weapon to to silence critics, it just it's very sordid mm-hmm. and it's dangerous. And I mean, it's obviously dangerous, but it's just it's just perverse. Um, I, 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 you know, yeah. I just wanted to uh, pop in for one second and just say, you know, I'm someone who has gotten into it directly with uh, Michael Che. Michael Che uh, uh, made fun of me for the soup that I was eating uh, at a certain point on his uh, Instagram story. And he and I had a long back and forth. And I do have to defend him uh, for this. And I suspect that he'll be forced to apologize over this, probably on air with somebody. Same way he did, same way they had to with uh, Dan Crenshaw when they made another funny joke about how he looks like a pirate or something like that uh, um listen i would say the only thing that i would note on this joke um is that he probably should have said i guess it's not the palestinian half uh because then he could he wouldn't have gotten in, they couldn't have gotten uh, uh as mad about anti-semitism and the joke would have been more specific uh well, you so, know, you know. I, I i i'm not i'm not going to get into the intricacies of snl joke writing because uh I don't want to give credence to the idea that SNL is funny. Right, jokes, yeah. <laughs> but um, what? But what I what the reality is that Israel defines itself as a Jewish state, and what that means in practice is that Jews have better, uh, uh, special, and better rights mm-hmm. than Palestinians, and that's enshrined in law. The so-called nation-state law that Israel enshrined in 2018 explicitly gives uh, Jews uh, better rights, more rights, superior rights, uh, hierarchical superiority over Palestinians. And that 2018 law was simply reinforcing what already existed since Israel was founded. One of Israel's uh, uh, basic laws is the so-called law of return, which says that... uh, Katie, I understand you've mentioned before that you're Jewish, so I hope I'm not making any assumptions. Some have claimed, yeah. Yes. Uh, You know, that that Katie, under the so-called law of return, Katie has the right uh, to move to the West Bank, get Israeli citizenship, 
uh, get uh, a salary, like get get a UBI, basically oh. get a, a package, a financial package. Sounds like from a pretty Israel. good deal, Katie. What do you? Th- it's not a bad idea. It sounds good. I might like to do it. Uh, so it's not so a, she yeah. she has that right under the so-called law of return as as an American, uh, just on the basis of, of her religion or her ancestry. Whereas I, as a Palestinian. Uh, whose parents are born in Palestine, whose grandparents are born in Palestine, whose great-grandparents are born in Palestine, and so on. And millions of Palestinians like me, including millions who are stateless, living in refugee camps in in different countries, have no right to go there, Mm -hmm. not even to visit. Uh, So that's the inherent racism of the so-called law of return that says that someone who uh, who has never set foot in the country has more rights to it than someone uh, who was born there, whose parents were born there, back uh, up to generations. And no other country has such racist laws. I've often heard, for example, people say, oh, but Ireland has a a law that allows you to get citizenship uh, if, uh, uh, you know, to the Irish diaspora. That's true. But that actually shows it's uh, just how racist the Israeli law is, because the Irish law says that any person who has one grandparent mm. born in Ireland can mm-hmm. claim citizenship. Right. It, does, it doesn't require that that grandparent be Irish Catholic, Gaelic, speak Gaelic, whatever. Yeah. It includes uh, Protestants, it includes right. Catholics, it includes anybody Irish Jews. Mm-hmm. Irish Jews, of course, and there is an Irish Jewish community. So the, 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 if, if Israel had a law of return like the Irish law of return, all the Palestinians would be able to come back. Right. So, but that's not the case. Israel discriminates against, doesn't allow Palestinians to return to their country solely and exclusively because they are not Jewish. So what, what I'm saying here is, is that has to be confronted. We can't really skirt around it. Right. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. And Jack, I think I know you have to leave. Uh, I do, but it, yeah. this has been such a good conversation. It's but, good to talk to you. Can I just, uh, before Jack leaves, I, yeah. want to, I want to know more about the soup you were eating. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I actually very much deserved ball, it. Now, listen, ball, he was making fun of uh, he was making fun of me for being poor and having to have Campbell's soup. However... I also forgot to add the water to the soup, and so I was complaining that the soup tasted too much like ketchup. So the better joke would have been that I am actually too dumb to make Campbell's soup. But how did he know that? He wouldn't have been able to know that. That's what the post was about. I was complaining about how it tasted bad, and people were like, did you add water? And I was like, uh, I guess not. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, you got to add. I love Campbell's chicken noodle soup, by the way. I I absolutely love it. Me too. He's got to add some water. In fact, I'm after this. I'm going to have some, yeah. (laughs) Um, It sounds like you had it coming then. I did. Uh, Maybe I did. Uh, uh, Well, good to talk to you, and uh, uh, I will see you all later on. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's true that like we like we we should be focusing on the cr- the crimes committed by the Israeli government, but it also like for better or for worse, I do think that. And to hear the rest of this great discussion with Ali Abu Nima, where he answers some really good questions from the chat and questions from me about various things from the right to return to the one state solution, please become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. The Katie Halper Show 
is edited by Brad Bloom. Our researcher is Joshua Bregman, and our theme song is by the band Cordova. Cordova.